Hey everyone, this podcast is part of Story Mode, the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. You can support us and gain access to other great exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash g-a-m-e-f-u-l-l-y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. I'm turned a little down. All right, hold on. Let me turn myself no, a little no, no, bit don't, up. Don't, don't get turned down. Get turned up. Turned up. Turned up. Gotta get turned up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. We got this. We got this. Yeah. Oh, hi, everyone. Hello. Ah, my name is David Bell. My name is Tom Ryman. We just watched The Wrestler. The Wrestler. The Wrestler. The Wrestler. Ah, fun movie. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people told me that I'd never wrestle again. And that's all I do. You know, if you live hard and you play hard and you burn the candle at both ends, you pay the price for it. You know, in this life, you can lose everything that you love, everything that loves you. Now, I don't hear as good as I used to. And I forget stuff. And I ain't as pretty as I used to be. But goddammit, I'm still standing here, and I'm the ramp. As time goes by, as time goes by, they say he's washed up. He's finished. He's a loser. He's all through. You know what? The only ones are going to tell me when I'm through doing my thing is you people here. Mm. <laughs> fun movie for some for fun times. For some fun people. Everybody, cheer yourselves up. Go watch The Wrestler. Uh, it's Thursday. We're a little late putting this out. Because of the world. Because of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, we're a little behind, but that's okay. That's okay, Tom. It is okay. It's yeah. fine. It's fucking it's fine, It's all guys. fine. Everything is going to be <laughs> fine. That makes us a... We just watch classic. Yes. There you go. It is it is a Thursday, and it's because of Patreon, which is uh, specifically our Patreon subscriber, Ozzy, who gave Ozzy. us this movie. In mm. Ozzy's defense, I don't believe they knew the world would be falling apart when we uh, covered The Wrestler by Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Ozzy. This, I, I, I mean, all right, let's get into it. Uh, Tom, what did, you've seen this movie before? I have seen this movie, like every Darren Aronofsky movie. Uh Uh-huh. I have seen this movie once before. Right. And I reached the same conclusion the second time I watched this movie. Right. Which is that this movie is really good. I never need to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) Classic Darren Aronofsky. Classic Aronofsky. All right, this movie is really good. I might need to see it again. We'll see. This this one is is, yeah. I, I'll say this is more so than like a Requiem or Black Swan. Um, I do want to watch Black Swan again. Black Swan, I don't find depressing. I think it's like a horror movie. It is more a than horror anything. Movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's brutal. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, actually, that one maybe, but like generally, his movies. Are it just incredibly upsetting, like on a deep level? Yeah, <laughs> this one is 
I find to be one of his most upsetting because it's his most real. Yes. Uh, like, The Fountain is another one. I'll watch that again because it doesn't feel real. Yeah, Pi doesn't just... feel real. Requiem feels very real, but... Yeah. You know. It's but, also his yeah. most normal in terms of the way he shot it. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, uh, I think that's absolutely intentional, and it's it's why it also feels the most real. It's shot almost like a documentary. Yeah, there are scenes where I'm like, I can't tell if he just went out with Mickey Rourke and uh, just uh, had him f- screw around. Like, obviously, he 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 cleared the, the like, the, the, they're filming in locations where, like, they had mm-hmm. to get permission, but a lot of the moments where he's, like, behind the counter at the deli, Mm-hmm. when he's at the dollar store like yeah. it feels very uh much like improv it probably is yeah <clears throat> for people who don't know this movie it's such a good idea for a movie it's about an aging uh wrestler who is like a wwe style wrestler uh who's now kind of a has-been and he's just like trying to make a living yeah it's uh, do- <sighs> still doing wrestling matches it's, uh, if you if you know anything about professional wrestling, yeah, this is a depressingly familiar story because right, it's kind of important, right? Because it's it's it gets said a lot and and it nothing keeps being done about it, which is depressing. But right, there's no wrestlers union. They don't get health benefits. They don't get four hundred one k's. So it's just like once the character's name is Randy. Once Randy is kind of too old to be a main eventer on television, he's kind of fucked and he can't really do anything but continue to do these small indie shows and these like small fan events. Right. Just, or he has to get a job. Well, yeah, but he, the only kind of job he can get <clears throat> is like working at a grocery store because, you know, he spent, 30 years wrestling he doesn't have other skills (laughs) it's it's Um. this it's this perfect storm because he's also it's the also the idea that pro wrestling is seen as funny wrestlers Mm -hmm. are often funny uh on purpose yeah it's part of the thing but it means that he's also like this kind of subject of ridicule right like his his uh his manager at the at the grocery store treats him like a clown like speaks yeah. to him like he's a clown right because it's this <clears throat> weird occupation where like you give your whole body to it mm-hmm. you get nothing in return no and people it's in- ridicule you <laughs> yeah it's entirely dependent on how wrestling fans feel about you and it's like i don't know it's depressing on an existential level but like the character himself, I, I don't know. It's it's you, you could view it as like sad and 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 pathetic and and being a has been, but it's like, well, these fans all still like him. Oh yeah, and and they come to see him, and he gets a little bit of money out of it. It's but more he that, also that's he, his he, conflict, right? And like he that, says that at the end, doubt. he says right. He says at the very end to Marisa Tomei before he goes out for his last match is that. He's like, the only place I get hurt is out there. Like, in here, people like me, and they respect me, and, like, I feel like a person when I'm in the ring. Yeah, the the only place I get hurt is out there. It was like, oh, fuck. Mm -hmm. Darren Aronofsky, you fucking (laughs) asshole. And, like, uh, and uh, we're going to, I think we'll go through the plot a little, because I have a feeling people haven't watched this movie. 
they or should. haven't seen it in, or or maybe haven't seen it in a while because yeah, it came yeah. out it came out at the tail end of 2008 in limited release just to make awards right. season but the, really came out in 2009 but that scene where he says that to her mm-hmm. and then he comes out and his intro music is sweet child of mine and yeah. i was like oh fuck you darren <laughs> <laughs> why are you doing this to me don't do this to me because he hates you yeah because he, he wants us. and he wants you to feel bad <laughs> exactly god damn it darren uh <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's really it's it's about a lot of things too because it's about athletes in general, but it's yeah. very specific to wrestlers because they're the only athletes that yeah yeah wrestlers don't have a players union yeah uh, it's about this person's passion for his job, but it's also about the fact that, like finding happiness, which I think is a lot of Aronofsky movies, mm-hmm. um, kind of go go they touch on passion obsession and and happiness where like there's a point in this movie where he doesn't need to wrestle and he's happy yes he almost has it all together and then it things don't go the way he wanted them to with um with cassidy with marissa tomei's character and he sort of fucks it all up for himself yeah it's almost about it's about addiction like he's addicted to the this he he he, he's addicted he gets to high off of the wrestling. It's yeah, and it's also he's not. They don't they don't focus so much on the drugs. They do have one scene where he has to buy about a thousand dollars worth of painkillers. Yeah, and performance enhancers from another guy just so he can keep moving in the ring. Right. Because and again, the, wrestlers don't have health care plans. They're they're on the road. I think for about three hundred days a year. Like right. Mickey Rourke made me sore watching him like the way he acts he really expresses having a sore body like after the first match which we don't see uh he's just like he's moving in this way like it's just like you 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 can feel his muscles just aching uh yeah and it's what happens is he has a heart attack uh, yeah, after a hardcore match with the Necro Butcher. Oh my fucking god, that was amazing! The way they shot that, where they mm-hmm. show the aftermath first. Yeah, and then they cut back to them through the match. Mm, damn. Yeah, they 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 cut back. What what I love about it is it's kind of it's it's showing that he's not he doesn't understand this world as much because they the the shot the the scene before is him going to the. Um, the dollar store and he's getting props for it yeah and he's getting like tinfoil things like yeah and like pans that he can like hit other guys in the back with yeah like kind of wholesome items for wrestling yeah where it's like he's they're still hitting each other but it's not it's not he's he's an old school dude yeah exactly like he's like he like they the big part of the plot is that he he headlined madison square garden in 1989 Right. In, in this world's version of WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, so he's like an old school guy. He's like, I think there was a, there's a pro wrestler whose life this is very similar to, and I, can't, I, th- I think it's Greg the Hammer Valentine, but I can't remember exactly who it was because some, one, somebody did uh, speak out when this movie came out. It's like, yeah, this is really close to my life. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, this was some guy's like, yeah, this was a really hard watch, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> the fuck man could you call me before you put out this movie yeah 
And then uh, he gets into uh, yeah, he gets in a in a match with the Necro Butcher, who is he's a real wrestler. Um, I figured there were some real wrestlers in this. A lot of the yeah. a lot of these guys um, are are indie wrestlers that were also, working with Ring of Honor at the time. Okay, and Mickey Rourke seems like he's doing the work too. A lot of it. He's not in the hardcore match. Okay, yeah, that checks out. <clears throat> there's there's a couple of shots like when they they cut to a, a shot where uh, Randy suplexes Necro Butcher off of a, a ladder through a table that's covered in barbed wire, and you and it's from behind, so you can see Necro Butcher's face because he fucking does this all the time, right? But you can't see Randy's face. I'm pretty sure he didn't do that bump. Yeah, um, but also I'm pretty sure the barbed wire and the glass isn't real in this in this hardcore match because they wouldn't let you do that in a movie. I was about to say the way filming a movie is, yeah, it would be way different. <clears throat> Although However, it is he, he might have he might have actually stapled that dollar bill to his head. Yeah, <laughs> that's entirely possible. That's entirely possible because and he yeah, does that, that that wrestler. I don't know if he's still working, but he did some crazy shit in the ring uh, like this like this like is a this. typical necro butcher match right so yeah that's <clears> the <throat> idea is mickey rourke like he's so happy in the dollar store he's like playing yeah. with the cleric and stuff and then they show this the end of this match and they're just covered in blood and yeah. it's a fucking mess and then they sh- they flash back and you see necro butcher being like so you cool with a staple gun and he's like what and he has to like he's clearly never been done staple gun stuff. Yeah, I don't think he's ever done a hardcore match before. Yeah, and so it it yeah, it's so fucking good because it's this moment in his career where he's like like it's like he feels despicable or he seems to afterwards like they're treating the injuries it's a montage of them cutting from them treating the injuries to then showing like how they got the injuries how they got the injuries yeah and then he's just alone in the locker room and he's sitting there and he looks like he's gonna cry because he needs this money too like yeah. he's 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 kicked out of his trailer so i think in that moment like he doesn't like wrestling <laughs> uh, yeah definitely hardcore wrestling has fallen out way more out of fashion since this movie came out. Yeah. Um, a lot of indie promotions won't do it anymore. Um, because I think for a couple of reasons, one, I think it became harder for, to get it cleared with the athletic commission. (laughs) And two, because I, I hope that it's more of a case of people thinking like, wait, this really isn't wrestling. This is like grotesque. Yeah, we're just, everybody just feels bad. This is just grotesque. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not knocking guys like Necro Butcher because he fucking went out there and did some crazy ass shit Yeah, <laughs> that, that I would never do, but, but oh, holy yeah. shit. Um, <clears throat> Oh yeah, um, it reminds me of Gigi Allen, where it's just oh, like, yeah. wow, so punk rock, but seriously, someone should have stepped in. Right, somebody should have stopped it. Like <laughs> if, any, if anybody's someone been, should have helped that man. Uh, if anybody's been watching, um, what's it called? Dark Side of the Ring, the Vice series. This season, they did an episode on a wrestler named New Jack, who was with ECW in the '90s, um, and ECW was a was the most well known and mainstream hardcore promotion. And just watch that episode on New Jack, man. Mm. If you guys haven't seen it, he did some fucking insane things. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, Mickey Rourke in that locker room, he pukes and has a heart attack. Has a heart attack, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, the doctor basically tells him he survives the heart attack, and the doctor's like, you can't wrestle ever well, again. <clears throat> he clearly had to have emergency bypass surgery. He's got yeah. the scar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, like, and, and he's and he's like the doctor's even reticent to tell him because he's like, well, when can I start exercising again? He's like, um, if you do really mild stuff, it right. might be okay. Yeah. And then we see him when we see him go for just a quick jog in the forest near his trailer. He like can't like he he has he like collapses he to, almost. Right. He's very much not doing well. Yeah. And then the other devastating part is. Uh, so we haven't talked about too much about Marissa Tomei. She plays a, a exotic dancer that he he goes to this you know they, he he regularly goes to this uh, strip strip club. Yeah, this one club. Uh, and he clearly uses her as like a therapist. <laughs> like, yeah, she gives him a dance and he's talking to her about yeah, his life. I don't I don't think that's that unusual. But yeah. no, not at all, not at all. He's one of those guys. Yeah, like, it's, the same, I, it's like bartenders do the same. It's not yes. the same thing, but people frequently use bartenders in the same capacity. But the realization is that after he has the heart attack, he goes to talk to her, and she agrees to go to his car and talk to him because she mm-hmm. tells her she had, he had a heart attack. And it's very clear. You realize the relationship here is that she's like, the person he's closest to and she doesn't consider him the same no not at all yeah it's it's it's, a very it's a very an unequal relationship he's a very lonely man and like she realizes that she realizes like because this is just a customer for a while and then she's like oh no well, um, it's 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 twofold. Um, like, yeah, it's it's clear he was he's just a customer for a while. They have a there's a little bit more going on between them than that when we first meet them. They're friendly, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're friendly, and I yeah, she she clearly feels bad for him and also likes him because he's a likable guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but she's never she had a specific boundary with him. Yes. Like she did any other customer. And then she kind of has a choice to break that boundary or not. And she's spending most of the film battling with that. Yes. And and also there's a... uh, She has like the... Well, not the inverse, but her situation sort of mirrors Randy's where we see frequently she's getting turned down for for lap dances they have and very similar men are calling her too old and i think marissa tomei was like 45 or 46 right and when we she see, made this movie we see a lot of her in this movie well yeah but i mean that's well, the role <laughs> well that's no that's the thing though and um, i think that's the point i i was very surprised because in movies when someone plays a stripper mm-hmm. they usually do movie rules where they're like in a bikini or something like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like they don't normally, unless it's like a show on HBO, you know, like it's it's normally like movie rules with that. And they just, she's just naked in this. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I, I think bold. it's a, yeah. I, well, I think it, it, it was important for the, the juxtaposition and the connection he's trying to make between these two characters where they're both in professions that don't We're, have health plans don't have 401ks there's no union or security for its workers and they're both entirely dependent on just using their bodies until they're physically not able to do it anymore exactly yeah and so yeah it's a very clear connection yeah uh, and yeah they get people calling her too old and the same thing that randy's dealing with um yeah 
and so yeah they they form a connection a little bit they finally hang out outside of it because he's also trying to reconnect with his daughter with his daughter evan rachel wood yes um which is a devastating arc that is the most painful thing in this movie yeah i mean it's supposed to be it's because the daughter isn't wrong no uh and and so it's it's, I, i i think she's a little harsh but it's completely understandable but it's after yeah years of it's after years of neglect and abandonment like he straight up told her that he tried to pretend she didn't exist because it yeah. was easier for him yeah he clearly abandoned this uh this daughter of his a while ago and now that he has a heart attack he's thinking about her so he 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 me- tries to he like tries to call and then ends up just going to her house and she's clearly pissed off at him so he goes with marissa tomei to buy something for her and that's fucking I love he chooses this bright yeah, green. Of course he chooses the stupid thing. But he yeah, ends the up, thing he ends a up, wrestler he, would wear. Right, yeah. He's like, see, it's got an S for Stephanie. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it's pretty boss. Yeah. That's, something, that's something else that is related to the addiction metaphor is that he's trapped in time. Yes. Like well, he, they have- he is... There's there's a couple references to it, but he's stuck in the '80s because that was his peak. That was his the, right. the best time of his life. And so, so is Marissa Tomei a little because they bond over how the '90s sucked. Yeah, and how they really like he's he's constantly listening to '80s hair metal. Yeah, um, he has a Nintendo. Like yep. there's a scene. There's a scene like he plays with the neighborhood kids, which is uh, which is sweet. Oh, um, I, I would watch so many hours of Mickey Rourke wrestling kids. Wrestling with neighborhood kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Calls them little maniacs. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, like he he has this one of the kids come over to play Nintendo with him and it's this old Nintendo wrestling game and the kids try to tell him about Call of Duty 4 and it's, he just doesn't understand it. It's so good. And he's like, he's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Like he's yeah. just, well, he has, like- it's. He treats kids like he's a wrestler. Where he's like, "Do your push-ups." Like he's he's does that yeah. shit to them. Well, and he's, it's like you can tell he he spent a lot of time talking yes. to kids as a wrestler. I was, I was gonna say, yeah, you can tell yeah. he's dealt with kids his whole life, right? Because kids like wrestling. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it's, it's especially in the eighties. <laughs> like that was like the target demographic for like WWF in the eighties was children, right? And of course, yeah, he hates the nineties because he, he he talks about Cobain. <laughs> This is yeah. like that pussy Cobain. That pussy Cobain. Um, and you can tell, like, it's it's perfect because it's wrestling was where they. What else do they say? Like, why can't things just be awesome or what? Like something like that. Yeah, because the idea is that the '80s was this time where it was like everything's great in the media. Wrestling was pure in this way, and then '90s is like the birth of cynicism or like that era of cynicism well the 80s is also when yeah yeah the 80s is also when uh professional wrestling Uh, yeah it was uh, at its peak it was at well it was at its peak and it was also when they finally revealed that it was uh predetermined oh okay they they did it in a like it was it was a strategy of vince mcmahon's um so that they wouldn't be subject to the same regulations as a sporting event right that's when they start calling it sports entertainment right and so like yeah it's the i feel like the 90s is also the era of wrestling's fake man like that shit yeah like when we were still when we still thought that was a hot take 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it makes sense that the 90s is just awful for him. Yeah, it's uh, and he And he it was, doesn't... It's, pro- it's probably also when he abandoned his daughter, judging, yeah. by her a- judging by her age. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, he just... Man, it's it's. I forgot about yeah that scene where they agree that the the nineties sucked is mm-hmm. very significant, and then yeah. they kiss. Yeah, uh, and she's not sure about it, and they go back and forth with that. He meets he meets with his daughter finally. He gives her the she, Marissa Tomei is like, how about this pea coat? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he buys both, and it's it's genuinely adorable. And the daughter can tell because he gives her the shitty jacket first, which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell she's she's not she doesn't hate it, but it's she thinks it's funny. And then he gives her the pea coat, so it's very endearing. And they go to Asbury Park in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that cause that that's an old abandoned casino. I believe I believe Dan O'Brien is familiar with it. Uh, <laughs> that casino that they break into. Yeah, I I've been there. It's uh there was a punk festival there, and it was fucking awesome. It's uh like across from this place called the Stoned Pony. I saw the Attics for the first time there. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but what what's cool is that if you if you remember the Sopranos, Tony Soprano has a dream where a fish talks to him, and that's when he first learns that uh, Big Pussy is is uh, is talking to the cops. And that's also in front of that casino. It's a great location. That yeah. area is it's. But yeah, they go, they break into the casino and they uh, bond, and he's actually honest with her. And they agree on dinner, mm-hmm. and uh, but he's got to do cocaine and have sex with this woman with a fireman fetish. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Well, it's it's a, it's after he goes to see Cassidy again, and it right does not go well. They get into a shouting match with each other. He acts like an asshole. Um, right. Oh yeah. Uh, and then he leaves and goes to a wrestling promotion to watch the show and then goes out with the wrestlers afterwards to get drinks and he just gets drunk and gets fucking high on coke goes home with this woman with the fireman fetish yeah she says we want to party like a fireman and then it cuts to them snorting cocaine in the bathroom and i'm like what is this woman's deal yeah and then when he wakes up in her bedroom and she just has posters of beefcake firemen all over her this is a woman with a very specific finish that Mickey Rourke can fulfill for her. And he starts to get out of bed and notices that he's wearing fireman boots. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those moments where it's like, you didn't have to put that in. No, but it was funny. But, yeah, but I'm... It was like Darren Aronofsky, like, let's live in the mood for a second here because yeah. things are going to get dark. Yeah. She's like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah, he goes home and crashes, um, and sleeps through the night. Like he's, he wakes up and it's already dark outside. So he's missed his dinner date with his daughter. Right. He's two hours late and he shows up and, mm-hmm. and she's not having it and she screams at him and it, it's, uh, she says like, I never want to see you again and we're mm-hmm. done. Uh, and it's one of those moments where it's like, if you give it some time, it'll probably, she'll probably be okay. I mean, he's probably. fucked up a lot probably and that's yeah it's but he could he could work it out he could because he is i i, I don't want to say he's a good person because he's clearly done a lot of fuck-ups mm-hmm. but you understand him in this movie so it's it's easy to sympathize with him yeah no he's he's a likable guy he's just yeah. 
he's fucked up a lot <laughs> in his past, specifically with his child. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's where, I, that's like, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 Like I said, I thought she was a little harsh because it's like, well, he was like two hours late for dinner. Like, give Yeah, him, but I, I, it's one of those like, things where same, it's like, I don't know At the same time, it's like, right, like this is like 20 years of neglect coming out right, right. now. I know people who have very complicated relationships with fathers who weren't yeah. there. And it seems like a whole lot of, be- like I, I've never had that, but it seems like a very complicated situation yeah. with a lot of emotional baggage attached. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, totally get it, and also, yeah, like you. I, I also still... get the Miss Marissa Tomei thing, where she's like, "I don't know if I want. I have a kid. I don't know if I want to open my life up to this person because right. I'm just exhausted." And then mm-hmm. she's, and then she sort of makes the decision, and then she's kind of, she's not sure, like because he's he's a friendly guy, but he reminds me of like when I worked at a diner, there'd always be truckers who come in and they start these conversations. And at a certain point, you're like, all right, man, <laughs> like, I got to get out of here because <laughs> uh, they're very friendly, talkative guys. But then you're like, all right, you're giving me way too much of your life now. <laughs> and it's just like, it's it's a it's a vibe. Uh, it's like uh, and Mickey Rourke does it perfectly. Mm hmm. But yeah, I, it's this thing where like he can't quite get a connection. No one will. I don't know. It, it, yeah, it's it's well because they also I think it has to do with the 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 separation between real life and the performative world because the other I mean the other thing that he and Marissa Tomei share is that their professions are performative. Right, they and, have to act a certain way. Right, and part of her she says as much to him. Part of her hesitation with exploring a, a relationship with him is that he doesn't know her outside of the performative world. Right. So she's like, you think I, she, I think she says, you think I'm this stripper and I'm, I'm not like, that's, right. I, like I have a kid. I have a whole ass life that you don't she know anything about. She has a different name, just like yeah. he has a different name and they have a, they have a weird, there's a, there's a weird difference there where like in, in what does she have him call her when she meets oh, her? her? Her real name is Pam. Pam. It's Pam. Yeah, and yeah. he says, like, can, what do I call you? And she says, Pam, right? Yeah, she does. She says Pam, and he's like, Pam, all right. And, Whereas she, and then, he, and then yeah. she says, don't get used to it. Right. He always wants to be called Randy. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, I, I, I forget, don't know, I, I think there's what, something there. I forget there. what his, what's his actual name? Robert? I think so. Um, it's like Robert so, like, Randowski or something? I can't remember. Right. And so there's like a... I don't know. There's a difference there with them where it's like he doesn't. Robin. The lines, Robin's his name. Robin. Right. Right. Because of the name tag mm-hmm. uh, where he like Marissa Tomei has a clear line drawn between her personal life and professional one where yes. Randy doesn't No, like he really. wants to be called Randy all the time. He doesn't want to leave that world, but mm-hmm. he has to like and that's what a lot of it is, is that he's like embarrassed to be getting older but after he has his heart attack and when he's like I think when he's like genuinely happy is when he's embraced it where he's like yeah nah, I'm retiring and yeah. he's like I get it I'm old I'm old I'm retiring he's having a good time at the deli he's like he's like enjoying the job yeah um, because he gets to work with people and he's like being very honest with himself mm-hmm. 
it's the dying of the hair. He lets his hair yeah. change back. Uh, and he's like ready to sort of move on from that. And then he just can't. Yeah. It, yeah. It, the, his, the things blow up with, with Pam Cassidy at the bar and then he right. fucks up his thing with his daughter. So he's like, well, fuck it. Like nobody gonna, out here, nobody out here cares about me. I don't like he, he gets the, he never says it. But it's clear he's hit the point of, I don't have anything else to live for. Right. Oh, no. When he goes out in the ring at the end, that's it's an act of suicide. Yeah. He knows what's going to happen. It's, it's about the idea that he's had this bubble that he's lived in that's comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the 80s. It's this world. And it's like he's still holding on to that. And the moment he tries to go out into the real world, he like tests the waters for a while, and reality is it's too much for him. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's 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 you know it's sad like that at the end it's when he goes to that ring you can see it on his face he knows exactly what's going to happen to him. Yeah, uh, it's so good. Well, I mean, he's like he's literally crying before he jumps off the top rope. Right. And the speech he gives, and like he knows yeah. he's going out there to his death. Yeah. And I cannot fucking believe that Mickey Rourke didn't win an Oscar this year. That year, I think uh, he Mickey was Rourke nominated. Is, he was. He won every other one. He won yeah. Golden Globe. He won BAFTA. I remember he won Sean, Independent Spirit. Sean Penn won for Milk, and Milk was. I liked Milk. Um, it, uh, wasn't uh, the wrestlers better? <laughs> and to the point that Sean Penn, if you remember, he gave his accept- acceptance speech, and the first thing he said is, "Wow, not Mickey Rourke." <laughs> like, yeah, he was like, "Really?" Yeah, and I was like, "What the uh, fuck, guys?" Mickey Rourke Aca- was amazing. The Academy doesn't like Mickey Rourke. Yeah, that checks out. Mm, he's been. He was. Yeah, they they don't like him. Yeah, but he won. He won yeah. that yeah. year. Like that was this this performance is incredible yeah he's really good he's so good in it he's very i mean it's a thing that mickey rourke in general if you watch his older movies uh not so much now but like he always he was always real good at being sort of natural right um and this is a very natural performance yeah they were like after that natural performance let's make you uh play a supervillain with whips let's and make a you the russian accent iron man too here you go mickey rourke enjoy this bullshit yeah uh he's great in that but like come on yeah but it's come not much on, of hollywood it's, it's not much of a role no it's <laughs> like, not it was really just... not he he really committed to it too he did yeah like i know he like st- studied like russian prisoners and shit mm-hmm because he's, you know, that kind of maniac. And Marvel's just like, just do a voice, man. Yeah, just do a we voice. We don't give a shit. Uh, God, what a fucking movie. We haven't talked about his deli job. That yeah. scene. That fucking scene. Mm-hmm, where he shoves his thumb into the slicer. You had the same reaction as me. It's like, I covered my eyes. And because I... I, I you know gore doesn't bother me but that's just like just the right combination it's because i've seen it's because i've seen that happen in real life Uh, yeah i worked at a pizza place and we used those and it was always terrifying yeah i never seen an accident but it was just like oh well it's just it's conceptually terrifying but if you use the machine the correct way your hands are never near the blade oh yeah um but if you got some clown um 
what I what I saw happen was, and I might have told this on a podcast already, but it was I was working at a sandwich shop where we had a deli slicer like that, and this fucking guy named Junior is uh, cleaning the slicer, and he thought it would be faster if he turned it on and held the rag up against the blade. Oh yeah, definitely faster. And I can't. <laughs> Things get you know that that concludes a lot faster. It did. It concluded almost immediately. <laughs> What an asshole! Oh yeah, yeah. He he wound up getting fired shortly thereafter because yeah. like he was already kind of useless, and then after he after you get your hand dragged into a meat slicer, you get even more useless. Right. <laughs> so yeah, oh, yeah. Like, you know, you know what? Just get out of here, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. As again, as someone who worked at a pizza place, I I I know of that useless guy. <laughs> The guy where it's like, oh man, you just gotta leave. <laughs> you just don't do anything, yeah. do you? Um, but yeah, it was horrific. So, rem- like, I had like the tinge of a memory of this scene, and I was like, oh no. So yeah, uh, like I, g- I got up and like paced around the room until I heard it. Happen. Right. It, at least like, they, okay. you know it's coming because yeah. he fucking looks at it and he's like, fuck it. Um, and mm-hmm. boy, does he quit. What a legendary quitting That's of a, a job. Legendary. Did you notice his, his manager is Todd Berry? Yes. <laughs> I did notice that. I noticed that a lot. I was like, this is weird. Yeah, there's a couple of kids. Like, Judah Friedlander's in it, too. Wait, where? He's one of the, um, he's one of the promoters he works with. Oh, no shit. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it's, it's some weird casting, but it works. Todd Berry yeah, was perfect. Todd Berry. <laughs> First time we see him, he's whacking it. Yeah, he's watching porn. And yeah. then he's, he makes him go outside and knock on the door and then hits him with the door as he yeah. comes out. Oh, it's perfect. Like, he treats him like such an well, asshole. Well, because he acts like he's a heel. <laughs> like yes, he's, yeah. That's what's great about it, is that it's like, uh, it's it's just, uh, it, it, he's exactly the type of guy that he would fucking throw out of the ring. Yeah. And it makes it perfect. Um God, they do so much with... I love that they show all the wrestlers discussing what's going to happen beforehand. Yeah. And you kind of, like, they show... And it's it's one of those things that's not indulgent. It's to show that he's a fucking professional. That this is not a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the camera work? I noticed that you don't see his face until six minutes in. Because a it, lot of the camera is following him from behind. Yes, yeah. And it's... But- it's like it's reflective of him going into the ring at first, mm-hmm. and of course when he goes into the deli job, they do the same thing uh, because it's like in his head he's sort of picturing it. You hear the ch- crowd cheering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting because yeah, it's very grounded on like a lot of his work. Yeah, um, and I think it's it's meant to evo- uh, to evoke like a documentary feel because it's like, hey, here we're we're going we're looking at the world of pro wrestling like behind the scenes following this guy oh yeah um i thought the camera work was really good i thought so too there was a very sparing use of score there's not a lot of score in this film Mm -hmm. well it's it's i think it's yeah it has to do with reality because the opening credits you think you're watching a different movie Mm -hmm. it's very bright it's got i think uh it's, it's all of his song fly- Metal it's Health, all of his, I think. Yeah, uh, and it's all his flyers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then you're with the audio of um, you're hearing the the play by play calls of his different matches throughout the years, and that's that's important. It's supposed to be bright 
and attractive and seem fun because it's his glory days exactly and it immediately goes to this like documentary style very handheld very dark cuts to him sitting in the corner of a of a children's classroom yep um with his promoter coming up and underpaying him yep because the door wasn't wasn't high as high as he thought it was like oh fuck Yep. <laughs> it's that moment where you're like, all right, fucking strap in, everybody. Darren Aronofsky wants to bum us out. Yeah, and then he goes home, and his, he's locked out of his trailer, and he can't wake the manager up, so he has to sleep in his van. And only then is, I think, <laughs> when we fully see his face. And again, yeah. it's it's the, the weird style where they're following him. Like, it's very much his back is often turned to the camera, mm-hmm. and he's sort of moving away and looking away. And I'm not entirely sure what he's saying with that. Uh, it's definitely the style. I know what he's saying, which is that it's yeah, the fucking. This, well, in a, it, in a in a very grim interpretation, you could you could look at it as his death march because he's moving towards true. he's moving towards his death. Yeah, he's constantly moving away towards some. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, God, in the moment he right before he does the what is it called the the, the ram jam the ram jam, he looks up and Marissa Tomei isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. and he kind of he you you see you see it you see it hit him because it cuts back to him and he you see him like you you see that shit pierce his heart yeah like he's like nobody cares about me right except for these fans and they only right. care about me when i'm doing my thing but he's not he's not entirely correct but you you get why he thinks you that get why he thinks that, that yeah because Marissa Tomei fucking left work. She does. That's okay. That's a part of this that's so both devastating and effective is that she does in a movie what would normally be the romantic gesture that saves the day. Mm-hmm. She leaves her work. She drives there. It's like it's it's like straight out of like love, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she runs to him and says, don't do this. And he's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to do it. And then it's like, oh, fuck. Because <laughs> like any other movie, any other goddamn, like if this was made by like a studio, they'd be like, no, he has to not do it. He has to, it has to be a happy ending. And that's, it's the perfect moment where he sets up a Hollywood happy ending mm-hmm. and then doesn't do it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's so devastating and so perfect at the same time. Yeah, Absolutely. I really like this film. Mm-hmm. I don't know if well, I'll ever see it again. No, and I, I like. It's important to to note that Marissa Tomei isn't doesn't just quit and leave for him. Like she's talked, she talks about it through the movie where she's about to retire, she's about to right. move with her kid, like, and she's having the same conflict that he's having, except she clearly makes the decision to leave that world. She's like, you know what? I've got, you know, I've got a kid. I've got a whole other thing outside of this. I need to leave this behind. Yeah, she's like, I can't hang on to this. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's like she has the realization, and I think that's, I think that's her interest with him. Hmm. Is that she's not in love with him? Really, she doesn't. She or she doesn't even have a a thing for him. I think it's that she just really feels for him. Because mm-hmm. she relates to him, right? And that ending yeah. is she's like, I need, I, like, I need this person to not do this. Like, please don't do this. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's like addicts. Mm-hmm. The, she's a recovering addict and he's, and he's falling, he's falling off the, off the old wagon. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Off the old top turnbuckle wagon. Right. It's uh, You know where that term comes from? Mm-mm. There was a... Uh, in the olden days, there was a wagon that had water on it for drunks. <laughs> uh, and so you, when you're on the wagon, you're on the water wagon... When you're off the wagon, you're uh, you're at another bar. At least that's what I that's what I read hmm. in a magazine. <laughs> I know. When, I looked when, it up online. When magazines existed. Yeah, you remember magazines, you yeah. guys? Um, yeah, it's again Darren Aronofsky. He loves addiction, uh, mm-hmm. and he loves exploring it in a in a weird way. You know. That, that yeah. there's the there's the math guy. He's uh, obsessed with the math. He's addicted to math. Mm-hmm, and sure. then there's Requiem, where they're addicted to I don't know what something. Yeah, there's probably all kinds, it's, all kinds I'm of sure, stuff. Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of addiction message in there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then Noah, where he's addicted to making boats. He just makes <laughs> yeah. boats. He just can't stop making boats. Yeah, he makes like fifty boats in that. It's fucked up. Um. Mother, where they can't stop listening to Danzig. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that feeling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, any any more thoughts on The Wrestler? No, just that it's real fucking bum- such a bummer. Yeah, I think if you're... F- <sighs> like, recommending it wise, this is such a good movie. And I know... I, I know... <laughs> I, I've said this before. This is why I, I struggle with like uh, BoJack Horseman, because everybody is like it's so good, uh, really depressing, and so I I haven't watched it because every time someone tells me it's great, they also say it's devastating, uh, and so I get people who wouldn't want to watch this. Yeah, uh, but it's so good, and it's so devastating. Uh, yeah. So you got to be in sort of the right mood, but. But it's it's so good if you haven't watched it. Yeah, um, it's really good. Yeah, just you just wait, just wait a little bit. I guess now's not now's not the greatest now's time. Now's not the, the greatest time to watch uh, incredible bummers. In a way, it was kind of distracting. The way like if you're trying to forget one pain, you can like burn yourself to forget sure. another. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I do that all the time. Sure, it it it, it was like oh I I'm glad I'm like tearing up about something that isn't reality. Right, yeah. Just about poor Mickey Rourke. Poor Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they should have let him get Iron Man after this movie. <laughs> yeah. He earned it. He earned it. He did. It. They should have let him whip him. Um I guess I'll I guess I'll plug our Patreon. It's uh Yeah, sure. I mean, I suppose it's patreon.com slash gamefully unemployed <laughs> we have exclusive podcasts you know what? i'm gonna pl- i'm also gonna plug our our guy light guy light it's gonna be on tuesdays uh and it's we recorded a lot of it before all of this so i mm-hmm. apologize if we're like if we're like way too cheery <laughs> if that makes sense obliviously cheery i guess uh but maybe that's something people would like i don't know and our other podcasts, like Tom and Jeff Watch Batman and Fox yeah. Mulder is a Maniac. There's that. Uh, yeah. They're all larks. They're all larks. Every single one of them. <laughs> Every single one of them is a lark. We're real lark boys. Yeah, we're real fucking larks. Mm-hmm. We're real cut-ups. <laughs> oh, gosh. Everything is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
we have a store, of, but but fuck it. No, no, it's fine. No, we're not doing that. Not today. No. <laughs> couple of clowns over here. Just a couple of clowns. <laughs> I'm gonna honk my fucking nose. <laughs>